Hey, all right, and welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music, and our conversation this week is with Carl Kuhn, Carl of Museum Mouth and Gay Meat. Carl and I have a long overdue conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music. Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Oh, Bubba's. Welcome back. May is here. May, a very special month. This podcast debuted on May 25th, 2016. We're coming up on five years. I'm allowed to include the break in that five years, right? Is that allowed? Five years. Velvet Underground lasted five years. Unless you count Squeeze. Shout out to Doug Ewell. I know he listens to this podcast. Great artwork on that Squeeze cover. Looks like Terry Gilliam did that thing. It was nice hearing from folks. After my conversation with Tristan Jemsick of Dog Breath, I was happy to receive some emails, betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. The conversation with Tristan was lovely. The next day, I happened upon a video cassette copy of Air Force One that I sent to Tristan, an American classic. Should have given Oldman the Oscar then for his portrayal of Ivan Korshinov, in my opinion. Who did they give that to, actually? Let's look it up here. Best Supporting Actor, 1998. Oh, Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting. It's actually a packed, packed nominee list. Robert Forster, Jackie Brown. It's the best Tarantino movie. Anthony Hopkins and Amistad. Nobody actually saw that movie. Greg Kinnear, As Good As It Gets. That's probably... That's probably the one who should have won, in my opinion. Burt Reynolds, Boogie Nights. Yeah, that was good, too. Good, good year for the Best Supporting Actor nominee at the 70th Oscar. There's actually a cute story from that Oscars. Elliot Smith performed on that show because Miss Misery was nominated for an award. He's backstage, kind of nervous. And Celine Dion comes up to him, gives him a pep talk. Don't be nervous. That song that you have, it's amazing. It's so great. And then she won. And the Titanic. That was the Titanic here at the Oscars. But back to Carl Kuhn. Carl not only offered up his time for this interview, but he gave us a song to share exclusively on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Podcast is the place where you can hear Carl covering Liz Fair's fucking run. Off Exile in Guyville, which comes up in our conversation today. Wonderful cover from Carl. Each week we have an exclusive bit of content from our guests. It's available only on our Patreon. Covers, demos, playlists. Also my weekly top five. Counting down my top five Jawbreaker songs. An observation of May 4th. Boat Dream from the Hill would be number six. So you know that five is fucking stacked, controversial. We've also got 
other guests coming on, like Dave Garwacky of If You Make It, Kevin Duquette of Top Shelf Records, Bob Yelma of Shinobu, Fat and Funky, and a whole bunch of extras from the Life's Work podcast about Laura Stevenson's Sit Resist. There are a couple tiers of pledging. All money is split evenly between the show, the guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. This week we'll be sending money to the National Bailout Collective. National Bailout Collective is a black-led and black-centered collective of abolitionists, organizers, lawyers, and activists building a community-based movement to support our folks and end systems of pre-trial detention and ultimately mass incarceration. They're also helping out the mothers for Mother's Day coming up. If you want to support them, you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. My guest this week is Carl Kuhn of Gay Meat and Museum Mouth. Museum Mouth is a band that Carl started in his hometown of Southport, North Carolina. They're a band that has really tracked a fun evolution from short, fast punk songs to expansive power pop. Carl, the singing drummer, writes really fun, catchy, earnest songs. Museum Mouth released Popcorn Fish Guinea Pig in 2016 on Rory Records, which is Max Bemis from Say Anything's imprint on Equal Vision. Carl joined Say Anything, along with Brianna from Tiger's Jaw, for Say Anything's very good, very underrated 2019 record, Oliver Appropriate. Museum Mouth is still going, and Carl has also started releasing new music under the moniker Gay Meat. This is a conversation long overdue. We had a couple hiccups before finally sitting down together. Stoked to share it. Thank you for listening. Come back next week. For now, here's me and Carl Kuhn. Do you always find fifth wave emo discourse on twitter <laughs> i saw a notes app apology this morning oh i love kids <laughs> i just love them so much they're so cute the things that like hold real estate in their brains it's just like just wait till you're 30 just wait till you're 30 uh-huh. you won't even have a millisecond to think about this shit <laughs> It's just like, oh, there's, I remember like, you know, there was a time when a, a band of with men in it taking their shirts off during a show, like that was the worst thing that you could do. That felt like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's a little like, no, but I, I it's what like, what, and now it's just like, oh God, this is just so cute. Look at yous. <laughs> I still subscribe to the shirt softness. I'm like, I don't like that ever. You know, I, I to clarify too, I agree. I think it's like, <laughs> right. 
totally um it's like find a find a better way to cool down <laughs> it, i think it also kind of depends on like the genre of music like if you're like a hardcore band or like a metal band or you know anyone playing like blast beats specifically for i'm i'm empathizing with the drummer it's like mm-hmm. yeah take your fucking shirt off drummers like, for sure it's the aesthetic but if you're like a diy band in a basement i'm just like okay we're all suffering you're not the only person sweating <laughs> Well, I, t- I tell you what, Carl, I texted my old roommate, Wills, and I said, hey, do you remember the time I did an interview, and then I came out, and you were watching RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> with my buddy, Carl, and he was like, oh, how could I forget? I have such a <laughs> fond memory of just talking to Zoe, and then going out into the living room, and you and Wills just chilling on the couch watching RuPaul's Drag Race on Hulu. Like, truly, if there is a TV, if there's a TV and a couch, I can make myself comfortable anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's easy. It's fun. That was such a fun day, too. That was, like, my first, obviously, that was how I met, was introduced to you and the pod. But, like, ever since then, I've, like, held the pod in such reverence. I'm, like, so excited this finally worked. Oh, well, that's that's nice. I'm excited too. I've flaked on you a couple times, and I would like to publicly apologize for that. I don't know about you, but I love canceling plans. Not that I wanted to, but I think I had I had good reasons both times. But I, you know, boy who cried wolf sort of thing. When I'm just oh like, my gosh! Oh, no. no, hush your mouth. <laughs> it, it is. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling when you have something like fast approaching like it's on the docket and you know it's coming and then for like any number of reasons it's suddenly off the docket like that freedom that like it's like seeing like the road come it's like all the cars on the road just like disappear and you're like oh my god i can do anything i want now (laughs) which is nothing yeah which is my preferred like method of thing to do is nothing so so are you you're living in southport north carolina right Mm -hmm. is that where you grew up it is. It's my literal hometown. My parents moved down here when I was two years old, and then I've been here off and on ever since then. Um, now, where they move from? They moved from Long Island, New York. Oh, okay. Uh, my dad has the most insane Long Island accent, and in this part of the country, yeah. I like. I obviously have heard it my whole life, so it doesn't phase me at all. Mm-hmm. But everywhere I go, people do impressions of him, and I'm like, oh, this is like. I forget that at one point in time you were a fish out of water here and it, you still kind of are. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, just. <laughs> I can't do it because I like, I, it's just part of, of me. Um, mm. but I know I definitely had a, a moment in, I think, probably like seventh or eighth grade where I went to write the word both and I like put an L in it. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's not right. So, and at Southport, I, I was looking it up. Iron Man 3 was oh filmed gosh, there. Oh, oh, don't. People talk. People want to talk to you about Iron Man 3 a lot. Just no, movies I, in general are, are the, filmed there. They're like For a while, um, Screen Gems was like considered like the Hollywood of the East Coast, and that's in Wilmington, which is like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so Southport, like whenever they're doing like anything that had like a small town sort of vibe, uh, it would get filmed down here. Famously, A Walk to Remember yes. was filmed here. Um, Summer Catch, which is like a... Uh, what is that man's name? Freddie Prince Jr. movie about baseball. <laughs> that was filmed here. Um, 
I know what you did last summer was filmed here. I just watched that not too long ago. Bad it's movie. Literally so I oh my gosh, what are you about to say? It's so good. <laughs> I think it's just um, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. always looks like he just ran to whatever scene that he's in because he's just so <laughs> out of breath all the time and just perpetually like confused and worried. Okay, but see, that style of acting is, like, so ingrained in me mm-hmm. that, like, now when I see people... I don't watch, like, a lot of, like, scripted television, or I really don't ever, like, watch movies, too, about... I famously don't watch a movie if it's about, like, normal people doing normal things. Uh-huh. It has to have, like, some sci-fi or fantasy level to it for me to invest my time. But, like, now when I see people doing good acting, I'm like, this they're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, was there was there music in the house when you were growing up? There was tons. My dad is, like, one of those people that still to this day, like, you... I walk into his home and, like, the stereo is just absolutely blasting. And he's, like, trying to have a normal conversation with you. And I'm, like, walking over to it and, like, turning it down. Uh-huh. Like, tons of classic rock. Tons of, like... Like, my mom's appreciation for the Beatles. And my first concert ever was Joe Walsh. Oh, really? Like, yeah. So I fun. don't even remember how old I was. I was very young, but... I've rewritten history a couple of times because the first show I went to on my own accord was The Strokes and The Sounds. And that to me has much more indie cred. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, Joe Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. The famous slacker, famous, like actual crazy person. <laughs> um, now, where would you go to see The Strokes then if you're in, uh, in Southport? Uh, like the concert hub, more or less. That famously, this is when I was still referring to shows as concerts. Uh-huh. Um, this was the Myrtle Beach House of Blues. Oh, okay. So, and that's because uh, Southport is like basically South Carolina, right? It's like yeah, it's really it's thirty minutes from like the border of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when you're looking at a map of North Carolina, there's like a little hook at the bottom right corner. Southport is literally that hook. Mm-hmm. Like we are in that hook. So it's like funny, like when people talk about like, oh, yeah, like I live in like a landlocked city. Like it's kind of like this area of the state. I'm always like, I've never had that problem. I literally can just point to my hometown on any map <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, now, when you when you were getting to um, music, on your own, you you mentioned the, the Strokes. What about like the more like? Tell me your first show, as opposed to your first concert. Oh, that's actually a really good question. We had um, we had a like a pretty infamous music venue in Wilmington called the Soapbox. Mm-hmm. That was like a great. Uh, it was like a, a kind of like a mid tier sort of size club. Um, that like touring acts that would be playing shows would typically play and they had like a bigger stage upstairs smaller stage downstairs i think the first i mean i started playing in bands when i was like 15 and i hadn't been to a ton of shows before that but um i think one of like the ones that stands out is definitely seeing against me at yeah the soapbox multiple times mm-hmm. um famously one of the last times i saw them there before the venue closed was when uh a crowd surfer hit the mic stand and it knocked one of Laura's teeth out, like active oh, one of her real? front teeth yeah. out. Yeah, which started like literal years worth of, to- of a tooth drama, I feel like, <laughs> from seeing her post. But uh-huh. yeah, I was at that gig. So that's wild. Cool. What yeah. tour? When was that? Like, what were they touring on? I think that was, if I had to guess, that was probably 2014. Oh, okay. So is that. Yeah, we're, we- we're well into like, that career. Probably transgender. Dysphoria Blues, oh, yeah. right? 
Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking good record. Holy shit. Oh my god. It's so it's one that I like constantly revisit. I'm like, I can't even believe this ever came out and like hit the culture the way that it did, because it just it doesn't get old. Yeah. I remember the day that like the news came out um about her being transgender. We were riding home on a bus from Wrigley Field. My friends and I went to a Cubs game specifically because uh, at that time, WWE champion CM Punk sang "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." I, it was one of the drunkest days in my entire life. <laughs> we laughed and people cheered. We were so rowdy in the bleachers. Oh my! You were those girls. <laughs> yeah, we were those. <laughs> wow! I love that for you. <laughs> Having a day like that is like. You need it. You have to be those girls at least once or twice in your life. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was more than twice for <laughs> yours truly. But when you when you started playing music, did you start playing guitar first, or were you playing drums first? I well, I started in school band. Uh-huh. Lol. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was my very own parody of Squidward from SpongeBob. I was playing clarinet in school <laughs> band, and then for. I think it was, oh my gosh, I wish I could recall for real, real. I know I got a acoustic guitar for Christmas, I think probably like seventh grade, mm-hmm. so age 12. And then on my 15th birthday, I was given like an electric guitar and a drum set. My parents were divorced, so I like oh, wow. milked that for all it was worth. Yeah, yeah. I was like I'm getting an electric guitar from my dad and getting a drum set from my mom. And that, or I think it was 14. Mm-hmm. And that like started it all. Like that's how I started like playing music with my at the time, my best friend Taylor, who's like still like a lifelong best friend, and um, he was really good at drums. I was like obviously pushed more towards guitar, but we just that I think that kind of got the ball rolling for both of us, being like, okay, like we have a my, my family lived in a log cabin in the woods, and we had like Whoa, a detached really? garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my family has always been passionate about buying these homes that are like truly on the end of a dirt road. It's this really strange phenomenon. No, your your house has become a, a source of great admiration in our house. Um, <laughs> are you on a dirt ro- You're not on a dirt road. No, though. not anymore. No, no, no. no. My mom aban- when my parents got divorced, my mom abandoned that. That's like uh-huh. my dad's whole spiel. <laughs> He's still doing that to this day. But So is that is that house um, your mom's old house? It is, yeah. My mom and her late husband bought it together in 2013, and then at the end of that year, it was a huge fixer-upper. It like didn't have like anything mm-hmm. in it. It was like essentially had been gutted by the people that moved out. They took like everything, and then um, at the end of 2013, he passed away. And then there was like it turned into like this whole thing about like just like what do you even do then? Mm-hmm. Like you know, like if you're if the person you were like planning your life with just randomly dies, it's like how do you come back from that? So then I like helped her get moved into this house, lived with her for a little while in here, but it just was like, it was like an uphill battle. A lot of stuff had to get done and um, it didn't get done for a long time for a million reasons. So it feels really cool to like be in this space now and making it as nice as possible because it's like, that's how it was always meant to be. I'm just admiring the, the two tone paint (laughs) jobs that I can see on, on the wall, both in that room and in the hallway. Yeah, I had a moment where I was like, it was, it was stressing me out the like the way I my initial paint when I first moved in the house is just like so grody that I was like, I need to like, Mm -hmm. just get paint on the wall. So it like can start to feel like a home for me to me specifically, and just start looking better. I feel like the the quickest way to make a room look nice is to paint it. Yeah. 
um, a dirty room look nice. So, uh, but yeah, I was just feeling overwhelmed by my original paint choices and had this moment where I was like, I want all these colors in here, but I don't know how to do it. So then I started like painting every room like two tone where it's like the bottom half is one color, the upper half is another color. It's fantastic. I know, freak. (laughs) (laughs) So did you did you go to college? I did one year and one quarter. I did one year at NC State. Uh Yeah, go Wolfpack. (laughs) Oh, um, and then I did ten weeks at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design. But it was so expensive, Mm -hmm. and I was paying for it myself. And I had to take out a loan in the middle of the quarter just to like continue to be enrolled in classes that would end up counting. Jeez, I was like. This is, like, such a fucking joke. I literally had to sell clothes at Plato's Closet to, like, afford the gas to drive home. Like, wow. it just, like, art school will rob you blind if you're, like, paying for out-of-pocket and your parents are, like, the kinds of people that are, like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Savannah, it's just all, they jack up the prices on everything in that place because it's such a tourist town. Yeah, it's not cheap by any way shape or form and i was like so broke i had i obviously drove down there with a car but i told all the friends i made that i didn't have a car so i would never get you know um (laughs) optioned up to be the person driving and spending gas money it's really iconic i think back to that junction in my life and i'm like i can't even believe i like lived that it feels like someone else did that and i just have heard about it (laughs) it's crazy so when did uh museum mouth start we started the band in, I would say, probably, like, 2009. Um, I started the band. It's, like, the origin is, like, cloudy, but um, I essentially was, like, I really wanted to be in, like, a punk band. I wanted mm-hmm. to, like, write fast, fun songs. The bands I'd been in before that were punk in, like, ethos, but were, like, making, like, my first band was, I was 15, we were making, like, prog rock. We were, like, Coheed and Cambria uh-huh. inspired. But I was, like, I, like, love, like, short, fast songs, like, um, Starslight by At The Drive-In was, like, the song I was, like, oh, always, hell like, hell yeah. Wanna, I'm, like, I want to play that. Hell I want to yeah. play that. So I, at the time, I, um, my friend Savannah, I had kind of, she had some experience, like, playing stringed instruments, but I was, like, if we start a band, like, would you play bass and sing? And she was, like, of course. And then I convinced my friend Graham, who I'd gone to high school with, and he was at NC State with me, who's a year older. I was, like, would you ever, like, want to learn how to play guitar? And he was, like, yeah. So I started teaching him all these songs I'd been writing, and therefore that, like, relegated me to playing drums, and that's how the band operated for the first year of its existence. That's so sweet. You taught <laughs> yeah. you taught both of them how to play. I did. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so when um I guess as you're going further along, were you still like writing most of the things on guitar and and Graham was playing? Is that how it yeah, kind of it, always I guess like you know, you're you're the Carl machine that's making museum mouth keep going yeah behind that helm pushing that (laughs) that ship where it it had to go um but yeah i even like even on the last record like it's funny we since that came out on like a bigger label we had to start talking about like royalty split and like writing credits and who would get what and there was like a a text thread where it was kind of just like if i had to guess i was like i think it's like a 60 30 10 split and my bandmates were like okay that sounds interesting but like we'll do the math and like actually figure it out and i know Corey and his wife like crunched the numbers and like within like two days they came back and they were like yeah that's basically exactly it (laughs) (laughs) so i was always kind of like it's funny because like being the drummer being the singing drummer it's like people don't expect you to be the one writing the songs but 
That's my guitar work. Um, <laughs> and you name that after? Oh, watch this. This this will make them go crazy. You name that after like w- one of the three good Cap and Jazz songs, right? Museum Mouth. <laughs> it's. I love that you say that as like as like I think you're gonna light some. You're adding fuel to some flame, but like I kind of agree. First um, two on that discography, <laughs> you could just stop there. There's a couple other ones, but... Yeah, I don't... It's funny, I just feel like with bands like that, you don't think about their discography as, like, all hits. You, They're, like, standout tracks. They're kind of, like, the epitome of one of those bands to me. But the standout tracks are so good that it's like, yeah, I'm gonna name my punk band after this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Mm-hmm. Why not? So, so I, I, you know, I did, did a deep dive in the museum mouth discography and going all the way back i was like oh like not only is savannah singing but damn this is a fast record it was like, it was like 10 <laughs> songs 20 minutes maybe yeah it's so funny like i feel like joyce manor has like a, a become like the standard for like that style of like a record mm-hmm. but like whenever people would like talk to me about it i'm like okay no 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 i was we were doing that too like that's not a joyce manor thing that's also a museum out there uh-huh. like, <laughs> bite your tongue <laughs> but yeah i love that record i'm incredibly proud of that record it's great and and you recorded yeah. it yourself right Mm-hmm. was that based on circumstance or were you always interested in recording um i will tell you straight up i had no real desire to record but like based in on location alone like where this band is based out of it was kind of like a necessity to learn um in high school i had like four track experimented a little bit with that was never really in love with the results yeah what'd you have of course, I had the Tascam, the blue Tascam yeah. that everyone has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but These things are like so, 250 bucks on eBay now. Oh, it's yeah. I, it came to us some way. Mm-hmm. It, like, I think someone gave it to Taylor, and Taylor had no real understanding, so he gave it to me, and was like, you figure this out. Um, but then we, in a moment of complete transparency, we recorded an EP before um, I Am the Idiot of the Jungle and Tears in My Beard with someone. We like used like a local like recording guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I played everything on it, which was psycho behavior that I am not proud of. But like at the time, like the band hadn't really ever practiced. So I was like, I'm just going to do this. Um, And it just turned out so whack. Like it sounded good. And it was like very like pro sounding. But like that was I like it was hard to. Yeah, it's kind of hard to like in this area, it's kind of hard to be like you are great at your job, but your references are just different than mine. Mm-hmm. You wanted like, you it to know. sound like Joe Walsh. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to sound like at the drive-in. I wanted to sound like pretty girls make graves. I wanted to sound just like stylistically different than this, like, you know, quality product you're delivering. Mm-hmm. Me. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of forced me to be like, you know, I'd had like some experiences, like watching bandmates in the past, like do some home recording, a friend, my friend, John Berna, like who was formative in my like early punk years was like a self-recording guy. So I was like, I'm just, I, if they, if all these people around me can do it, I can do it. And if I have problems or questions, I'll just ask them. Yeah. So, so I guess you're in, you're in Southport. Wilmington's got like a pretty good reputation for just being like a DIY hub. Was it? There was still no places to record there. Well, the, uh, it was like 
I don't even know how to really... It's like kind of like a, a glass ceiling sort of thing mm-hmm. or like a gatekeeping sort of thing. Like, Wilmington had a big, like, hardcore scene. And I'm like, that is great. Love that style of music. But it's like, I'm a literal fag. And I'm like not part of that world so i'm just kind of like it was always like intimidating to me even like before i was like out it was just like an awareness of that that corner of the world it's like i'm not even going to try to like go in those spaces because it's like not for me Mm -hmm. especially back then so yeah um you know the people recording like he is legend and stuff in the wilmington area it's like they wouldn't have any interest in my band not band sort of band like Mm -hmm. fast punk stuff um I guess growing up in a place like that, like your awareness of uh, I'm just not going to go there is, I mean, that applies outside of music to everything. (laughs) So I don't I don't know. I don't want to be like, I don't want to cast dispersions on where you're, where you're from. I've never been there before, but (laughs) you know, I mean, you're growing up, you knew you you knew so young, didn't you? You're you played the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hateful stereotype. No. no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. Um, yeah, it's just I don't I don't even know like if this is like trying to if you're trying to pose a question of like when I knew I really don't know when I knew, mm-hmm. but it was like it was I just always felt I. My parents did me no favors in terms of, like, feeling normal ever. Yeah. Like, my mom was so loving and so, like, sweet and just kind of, like, whatever I showed interest in, she was like, go do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she's like, I'll enable it, the house down. Like, you know, you just go do that. And I went to Montessori school until I was, like, nine years old. Mm -hmm. So, like, making my jump into public school, it, like, even if I was, like, faggy as fuck at nine years old that didn't matter it was like breaking like the wall of being like oh yeah i um don't know any of you you all know each other you've been together for a million years i'm like a freak like Uh i literally learned how to count on beads like i don't know anything like it's just i mean i obviously knew stuff but it was just like i was overcoming that kind of weird um I don't what what's the uh adversity? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Um I'm sorry that that came out clunky. Um, oh my god, no, you're literally perfect. <laughs> um going back into into museum mouth stuff. Savannah, why why Savannah leave? Was it just not for her? So, okay, so full disclosure, a funny aspect of this that, like, doesn't get talked about much at all is that Savannah and I dated uh-huh. in high school. She was like we were both obviously both trying to learn about ourselves. Uh-huh. And it's funny. She, we, through a really crazy series of events, she came back and like joined us on stage for a show in 2014, like at, for Alex, I am nothing era. And uh, like that night she was like talking to me. She's like, it's literally so funny to me that it's like looking back. It's like, we were both just gay. <laughs> but, That's like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. I haven't talked to her in a million years. Who knows where she's at in her junction in life now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of road where she's at navigating that. But at that time it was like one of those things where I was like, wow, fuck. Like, that's just so funny. But that is so, so funny. What was the question? <laughs> well, it was why Savannah left. I think that oh, you okay, answered okay. it without answering it. Well, it just, things with that aspect got a little weird. Mm-hmm. And then like, obviously we broke up while she was like still in the band, but she like just had other desires that were not involving playing music. So at the time when she like 
quit. We, we like it was like the night of a show where we like decided it was like this is gonna be like the last show you play with us, and we'll just figure it out after that. Um, and I, I don't know. I like to think it was amicable, but I also like I was so young. We we were all just so young. That was literally a million years ago. Yeah, it's like I don't even really know how like everyone really felt. I just know how I felt and how I like. I guess I thought it looked. I don't. I don't know. It's totally, weird. totally. It's weird. Um. So, so you keep going. Uh, Corey starts playing bass with you, and then he, mm-hmm. were you thinking get another singer in, or were you immediately like, I might as well just sing these songs. I'm writing them anyway. It was very much that. We also had played a show where like every like you know everything about soundcheck and everything was normal. Everything was great. We were going to play the show. It was going to be fine and normal. And then like. 10 minutes before savannah gets like incredibly sick so we're just like okay like i'm not gonna force her to do this Mm -hmm. so like we'll just graham and i will just play it like you know the songs hold up guitar and drums and it's like i'll just sing them and i had like already been doing like a little bit of singing we were super inspired by lemuria so like i had a yeah yeah literally the best band in the world Uh um... i got so excited when you got so excited (laughs) about talking to sheena oh God. I want the I want those those two people specifically. I want Sheena and Alex. Like I want a tell all because that band just did from like from my perspective, like in the scene, like that band just did everything that I wanted to do, and they were doing it so well. And the songs were so cool. It was mm-hmm. just like five stars, ten out of ten. Couldn't love it more. Yeah, it's it's wild to just like look back at you know twenty eleven. Sheena's the only woman playing punk music except for like you know a a scattering uh person here and there she was just doing it in such a weird scene yeah i think that's like what made it even more unique because i remember like really vintage lemuria like history is i was like introduced to that band when um they had like i guess they had recently played shows with slingshot dakota but there was like a thing where like slingshot dakota's myspace pick was a pick of sheena Mm mm-hmm and it said Slingshot Dakota underneath it. And I remember like having to like use my my PI work and be like, okay, what is that going on with this? And like realizing it's like, oh, we're just friends and the pick is good and yada yada. But yeah. like so that, I mean obviously Sling, like Slingshot Dakota was doing it, but it's just like in a different world. And I feel like mm-hmm. it like continued to get more and more different world. Listeners, I'm taking my hands and I'm moving them in like a Y shape. Um <laughs> because like, you know, Lemuria signed to Bridge Nine and the rest is history. What's your favorite Lemuria record? Oh, God. The Distance is So Big is, like, the one I love the most. Yeah. But I'm also a Pebble apologist. So I love Pebble, too. Okay, yes! Uh... The guitar sound on that record is fucking so good. I also just think following up Get Better with a record like that is just such a cool move. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's just so badass to be like, y'all think we're going this way, but we're going this way. <laughs> Honestly, I think the the only reason people were soft on it was Yellowstone Lady. If that song was not track number four, be a whole different story. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are, do you public. subscribe to the narrative that track four is the best, the most important song? Um, no, I okay. no, okay. I don't. Um, I always like Bob Mould talked about how he always puts his single second. And I think that that move rules, um, but not necessarily. I think it's just like it comes early in the record. And I think people got way turned off just by that song. But it's so funny because it's like that song is so derivative of the music that 
specifically Alex likes, like, you know, and it's like, if you had ever read an interview, you'd know that like that song is not out of left field. It was like fast approaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are an apologist. You've been there. You've been down this road. (laughs) Dude, I have defended this record like truly so like hundreds of millions of times. It's crazy. So Alex, I am nothing. Great segue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's beautiful. And this might be a realization of like having just listened to uh, Is a Real Boy for the first time yesterday. First time in my <laughs> life I listened to a Say Anything record just on my own. Um, but Happy I could inspire you to do that. Alex, I Am Nothing is fucking so funny. That shit is so <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like you just. You took a concept and you're like, I'm just going to get creepy. I'm going to get kind of <laughs> weird. I'm going to make something that's like a little uncomfortable, but also it's so good. Thank you. It's funny because it's like it it is it's something I have like I have toiled with my point of view on that record and how I feel about it a ton over the years because it is creepy and it is weird, but it was like very much a lived experience. Like I would like, it's so funny that it got billed as like a concept record. Cause I was like, this is truly just like what I was experiencing at this juncture in my life. Mm-hmm. I was just writing songs about it. And like, it wasn't all about one person. It was about like two or three people, but it's just kind of like, I just was finding my, I was like trying to explore being out as like a gay person and just being like, how do you even do this? Especially mm-hmm. when like the people you're attracted to are not attracted to you. So I'm just like, this is, it was just, it was gross. It it was funny and it was gross and it was weird. Um, but I'm incredibly proud of the record and it opened literally every door that's opened in my life now. So yeah. Cause I mean, people really took to it. Yeah. Like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think didn't expect that. It's so fun too. And I really like the vocals. I think that was the big connection I had to listening to say anything was just like those vocal performances are so just without restraint. Like I really, mm. really love the way that you just have always gone for it vocally. Thank you. I mean, it's like, I think that's how my voice sounds best. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like growing up, obviously, like with music in the house, like, you know, you learn about kind of like a couple different styles of singing. But I remember obviously just name dropped against me earlier. It's like I was really attracted to Laura's vocal, like vocal style. I remember the first time I saw the video for Alive with the Glory of Love, I was like, this band is so cool, but what is that guy's deal? Mm-hmm. And then to like find out that it's that guy's deal completely. Yeah. I was like, oh, like the that kind of that inspired me a lot in ways that I don't think I even realized until like Max entered the picture. But it's just like he like that. I was always drawn to that. Um, I talked to Pierce from Soul Glow recently, and one of the things he talked about with one of the newer Soul Glow songs was, you know, it's that this song that he was referring to is about having sex, and he's like, punks don't talk about fucking enough. And listening to, like, Alex, I Am Nothing, I'm like, yo, yes, songs about fucking. Yeah, it's like, I mean, why not? Hell yeah. It's so funny. I, like, I feel like that record's success, like, also, like, was very much due to, like, the climate of music press at that time. And we had a really good publicist who just, like, that was, like, the dawn of, like, premiere culture. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so like we had a stereo gun premiere we had a noisy premiere we had brooklyn vegan coverage it was just like at the time too like when 
I feel like those sites all still had like an active audience that was like engaging with them. Um, so like, obviously, yeah, the narrative and like the content, the content was like one thing, but I feel like we also just had good timing with that. Totally. And you put that out with, uh, with Josh, self-aware mm-hmm. records. I did the spinning out podcast not too long ago. <laughs> I enjoyed Josh so much. I was, it's one of those deals where you're talking to someone and you're like, man, I could just keep going. One of us is going to have to end this. And Josh is so funny. He is so funny. He's like so. I feel like every time we talk, it's like me teaching him some sort of lesson, which is like not the cutest dynamic in the world. But it's uh-huh. always like he like. I feel like he like approaches me like a pound puppy, just kind of being like, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this thing." And then by the end of it, he like leaves like with some new knowledge of the thing. He's sweet. I love him to death. Him and Sarah both are icons. And spinning out rocks. It's I love that mm-hmm. we like used to joke like who was gonna start a podcast first and he beat me by like a couple months. Yeah. But now we're both very much in it. Not that it's a competition, but <laughs> <laughs> um and then popcorn fish guinea pig. I have to look <laughs> very hard to make sure I get it and I say it right. You put that out on Rory which was uh, Max's imprint with Equal Vision, mm-hmm. right? How did, yes. how did that happen? It happened because of Twitter. Um, <laughs> that makes I, sense. You're very good at Twitter. I'm very impressed constantly. I, like, having experienced, like, kind of, like, a huge loss in my personal life recently, I'm, like, reanalyzing every, all my behavior ever just because, mm-hmm. like, my whole world has been, like, tipped upside down. And I, like, think back to, like, my old Twitter account. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was, like, an online terror. Like, truly just, like, unhinged behavior. But it did get my band signed to Equal Vision. So <laughs> at least I have that to say. <laughs> so what, what, what specifically happened? I wrote about this for the talk house, so I feel like I've like beaten a dead horse like telling this story. But um, well, we... I was trying to look at that talk house interview yesterday, and it, was, it wouldn't load. So the site is a little kooky, and also I feel like they've mm-hmm. had so many different editors now that I feel like my era of being a talk house writer, they're like, "You only did a couple pieces. Close the door on you. Mm. No need to keep that on the server." Mm. Um, well, I'm sorry for asking you oh, something that you've talked to death on. I just I I feel like I actively complain even when I'm having fun. So like, don't worry, you're perfect. Um, it's just part of me. But um, but yeah. So I we we premiered songs on the same day. Like we were premiering Crocodile off of Alex. I'm nothing on Noisy the same mm-hmm. day that um one of the tracks from Hebrews by Say Anything premiered online and PunkNews.org, which is a site I have a toxic relationship with. I have trauma from punk news, but um, they they posted about both the songs back to back, but they embedded the Say Anything song in the Museum Mouth post. So, like, when I, like, realized that, when you, like, click on things like Museum Mouth Premier's Crocodile, you click on it, and it's, like, a Say Anything song in the player. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is just so funny. So I tweeted at Max being like, everyone says our new song sounds like Say Anything. Like, you, <laughs> do you have anything you want to say about that? Um, and then like in the replies, like sent him like the link to like the real song. And Uh he, I remember like sitting on the porch at this house, funny enough, like doing that, like sitting on the porch swing, doing that just being like, this is like funny. Like if he responds, that'd be iconic. And then fast forward four hours and he like responded, followed, like DM'd, was like so excited about it. And I was like, (laughs) like what? (laughs) It's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Um, 
so what was going on in your life at the time? Because, I mean, well, you did kind of just like bust the myth myth a little bit about Alex I Am Nothing being just a concept album. But I feel like listening to Popcorn, I get a little bit more of a sense of what's going on in your world. It seems to be kind of a wild time. It was kind of, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong at all. And I feel like the press like did a good job of like, kind of talking about that but also like really clunkily but my stepdad had just passed away my mom's husband I call him my Mm -hmm. stepdad for like simple purposes but he entered my life I was like essentially an adult but um but yeah he had just passed away and like my mom is just like she was like a very sweet but really dependent person so like kind of having to like step in and try and like help her was just like a really weird thing to me especially like on the back of the band getting like some traject some like some momentum mm-hmm. um so i was just like experiencing this like really disparate kind of dual mindset thing where i'm like trying to be like the best possible son to my mom and like help her through this like really like life-altering loss while like also pursuing my like stupid gay art and it just <laughs> like it made me like start like trying to cope with that that just made me start writing like the most ridiculous songs like like pursuing like or just kind of like diving back into things that made me feel normal like yeah. being obsessed with the band Incubus like riding mm-hmm. my bike until like four in the morning just because there's like nothing else to do in Southport like mm-hmm. I was just doing like all these like goofy things trying to like make myself happy and um it yielded in a really bizarre album but I love that record thank you that line that you have in there about the um, the CDs in your car suddenly all the they're not, CDs. all the scratch yeah. CDs start playing right mm-hmm. is like yeah that's a very fucking particular feeling <laughs> it it was like that too because I was driving a Buick LeSabre at the time that had a CD player first car uh-huh. I, and first car and only car I ever owned that like had a CD player actively in it um well, I guess that's not true I, I have a Camry now that has one but uh, oh I I know right um but I'm pretty sure I had like a copy of Exile and Guyville by Liz Fair that I was just like in and out in and out in and out in and out and after a while mm. it stopped like stopped playing but then randomly it started working again and I was like oh my god this is such this is truly kismet <laughs> um so that's a that record too like it sounds so good and especially the end like when shit gets like pretty desperate <laughs> you know, like roadkill and um big stairs like those guitars sound so just large and dissonant and spacey i feel like that's some of your best production work thank you it's the only album i didn't mix oh there it is <laughs> yeah it was like cool because we like signed to a big label so we had a budget for the first time literally ever Mm -hmm. i think before that every museum mouth record cost like between 50 and maybe 75 dollars to make so like hell yeah that was like it was like suddenly we have money to spend on this um so i like made a short list of like truly three people that i was like i want to work with these people and one of them was kyle slick johnson and like the whole thing was like museum mouth was like if it ain't broke don't fix it so like Mm -hmm. they let they bought me the imac i'm using on zoom right now with you um and they were like we'll let you record it in logic and then we'll just have someone else mix it so kyle slick johnson was the person i picked he had worked on king of the beach by waves which was Mm. a huge album for me as a teen yeah that band had a good vibe 
the Sonics were just so like I've always been drawn to instruments when they don't sound like what they're supposed to sound like. And that record is like, it skirts that line perfectly where it's like, you know, this is guitar, but it sounds like it's being played through like a game boy that's on fire (laughs) or like, you know, these are drums, but they sound like they're like pots and pans or you're actually like hitting like the sample pad and you like recorded the sound of you hitting the sample pad. Like (laughs) I was like, so into that. And I remember talking to him about that a bunch. Like when we first started like chatting on the phone, just being like, I love the way you manipulate sounds. So you, you moved, you you moved back home when when did things start going um on with your mom oh, is God. that a, is, yeah oh i'm is that I, the is that the best way to approach the subject it literally perfect yeah, yeah. I, and it's just like i have i have no reservations talking about it because like talking about it gets it out and then it like has the ability to change into something or like give you new perspective on it but mm-hmm. i would say like shit when i lived with her in 2014 into like the top couple months of 2015 like obviously things were rough you know she had just experienced loss of her own like you know i was young so it's just like we were butting heads to like a certain extent and she Mm -hmm. randomly had like a friend of my stepdad like come through town he was gonna like stay for the weekend Mm -hmm. and then like she wasn't home when he got here and he was someone that i didn't like as like a person i had like a bad read and bad vibe on Mm -hmm. um and, like, he, you know, she wasn't home when he got here, and he, like, walks through the door, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to stay for, like, a couple months. And I'm like, I was told mm. you were only staying for a couple days, and, like, the house is small and, like, essentially unlivable. Like, I'm going to, if this is, like, a thing, and if this, like, if this sort of, like, represents, like, the miscommunication between my mom and I, I was like, I'm going to get out of here. So I, like, packed my stuff that day, like, told her, like, hey, like, I love you. If you need help, I'm right down the road, but, like, I'm going to move in with some friends up in Wilmington who I'd been living with before I moved in with you, and I'm just going to, like, you know, I'm going to, like, get this under control. Like, go stay with my dad for a little while. It's just, like, I don't want to be in this in this space with this man. And, like, if I had a time machine, I would, like, go back and, like, put my foot down more because that just started it all being like a downward spiral Mm. he is like sick evil person enabled all my mom's worst behavior like he was addicted to pills which got my mom addicted to pills like it just like yeah it turned into a whole 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 mess Mm. so and then god my my aunt had a very similar uh person come into her life um she passed away a few months ago just from alcohol yeah um it so and she got she got real sick your mom she got incredibly sick she Uh elected to have a hip replacement at a um, a hospital literally two blocks away from our house, like within walking distance. Um, mm-hmm. She elected to have her hip replaced there, even though she had famously hated that hospital the whole time we've lived in the area. You know, I had nothing good to say. I talked about all, how all the doctors were quacks, like didn't trust them, but like opted to get major surgery there. And then that, that was like 2015. And that started like a whole series of events where they ended up having to open the incision for the hip replacement like four or five times my mom ended up using all of the like medicare medicaid like allotted rehab days like just sitting in a nursing home making sure that it wouldn't get infected in like those first two weeks Uh um, because it just kept getting infected over and over again so like she never did physical therapy for that like correctly because she had obviously wasted all this pt and then like her spirit was like broken by that and 
like that ended up she ended up falling like a year later because she couldn't walk very well she broke her just like smashed her shoulder had to get Mm. her shoulder replaced it just like and like all this is like happening with this like man in the picture and i'm like if you like and every time you're like talking to him about he's like yeah i'm taking care of i'm doing blah 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 and it's like you leave me no space to help like and you're so toxic that i don't even want to help like and she needs help but like doesn't know how to ask for it in any way she's like obviously like succumbing to your abuse like you know it was just like a really it was really rough and that started her like getting like sicker and sicker and she started having seizures because of her alcohol consumption and that ended up damaging her brain and that's where things in 2018 like take like a huge heel turn and like yeah life is just the way it is now oh. <laughs> um so what what happened exactly cuz like she you, you moved her into a home right and she was doing okay yeah so in 2018 she i got like a call i was at work and i got a call being like hey your mom is like exuding symptoms that are similar to stroke so i'm gonna have an ambulance take her to the good hospital in wilmington now Mm -hmm. like this is bob my mom's roommate like saying that i was like great i'll meet her there like you know that's horrible that this is happening but i'm glad that you have like the wherewithal to send her to like a good hospital so i met her there and then that started truly six and a half weeks of like just me sitting by her bedside in the hospital Mm -hmm. it was crazy tim yeah we were in new hanover hospital for four and a half weeks and then we got transferred to duke because she didn't have a stroke she was experiencing like the aftermath of like a couple grand mal seizures and they had like presented themselves in like a way that seemed like stroke symptoms but it just got so bad so like obviously like in the first 24 hours she was there this is probably tmi if you want to cut this like feel free okay. but, like in the first 24 mm-hmm. hours she was there like They'd been treating her for stroke, treating her for stroke, went and gave her like an MRI. We were waiting on the results for that. And I'm like feeding her mashed potatoes because like her hands are not working and she's like not making sense. And she like, like literally starts having a grand mal seizure while I'm like feeding her mashed potatoes. And it was like so scary. So I like called to get a nurse in there. She comes in there, the seizure's over. And that started like a period of like two more times where that happened where I'm like, she is seizing. Someone needs to be in here with me, like seeing this. Because, like, mm-hmm. no one's going to take my word for it. Like, you know, it's just, like, she's just, like, essentially asleep when the people come in. And it, she had six of them. And then there was just, like, truly no hope of her, like, ever recovering to, like, 100%. Even though, like, obviously I held out hope. and was, like, she's going to be great. Like, when she got out of the hospital, she was, like, in rough shape. But she's in a nursing home. And she's making progress, 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 progress. And then just randomly in January, I was, like, out of town. I, like, took, like, one week to, like, go do like remote work with some friends and Mm -hmm. on like the literal the last night that we were like we packed up everything to just like be able to put it in the car in the morning and go like that night at like 10 p.m i get a call from head of nursing being like your mom passed i'm like what like like literally what Mm -hmm. she called me at seven and i like missed the call i talked to her the day before i was like gonna talk to her like that saturday i was like you know i'll just like i'll call her saturday or sunday on the drive home even and then couldn't call her on saturday because we were just like we're doing a bunch of other stuff and i had a missed call from her at like 7 p.m and then 10 p.m she was gone i'm like how does that happen god yeah it's crazy. I'm like, I'm, no, so I, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry to lay yeah. this all on you. Cause it's like, I, uh, no, it's, it's your, it's your life. It's, <laughs> and then it's uh, just uh, like watching, you know, just through my phone has been just, it's so tough to see. And then to, 
you know, you, you obviously reached a point where, and she reached a point where things looked good and, and stable. And then just like that, I, I can't even imagine. Cause I mean, I was, I was shocked too that it, that it happened. Cause things just seemed like they were going really well. Yeah. It was like, it had gotten to a point where like, I was like going up there two, three times a week and seeing her. And I was like, wow, remember when I was going every day? Cause I thought I like had to go every day or else I was going to like miss her like dying. Like, you know, it was like, it was so fraught and like things were so bad. It's like, I was truly going up there every day to like, it felt like life or death. And then it like, you know, it got less and less and then it got really casual and easy to the point where like she was calling me nonstop just about nonsense like nothing mm-hmm. like the funny mm-hmm. truly the funniest shit she would call me to like call the nurse to like find her her, her, her like clicker for her tv her remote <laughs> i'd be like mom i'm like you have a help like button like press that like you do that she's like they never come when i press the help thing and i'm like well i'm not calling this guy to find your remote <laughs> like just he'll be in, they come in your room every 30 minutes just wait like you know yeah. it was like to that point where she'd be like they told me i can't have any more coffee and i'm just like well how many cups have you had she's like six i'm like no one should be drinking six cups of coffee <laughs> especially when you're not going out and doing anything you're just like in a nursing home i'm sure you're like driving these people up a wall mm-hmm. um so yeah things were like good they were like literally funny it's funny how good they were and then just like so randomly she passed but i mean she had had she had been dealing with like liver cirrhosis stuff um in 2018 right before she ended up having the seizures and ending up in the hospital mm-hmm. um so like I, I on the death certificate that's like what they accredited it to which is like funny because it's like when you're dealing with brain stuff you kind of like stop thinking about the liver stuff so like we hadn't yeah. been like testing her like creatinine levels or for her kidneys or anything like that so for all intents and purposes, like that could, that truly could be what did it. And, you know, yeah. I'll never really know. And I'm not like going to ever try and like figure it out. Cause it's just like, it's the, like, it could drive me crazy, you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, you know what? We had a really good time. 2018 through like 2020, like into a little bit of January, 2021. It's like, you know, for the, the shit we were dealt, we like really made the best of it. And like, I'll have those memories forever. So there's so many just fun pictures that you've <laughs> posted that just yeah. it was so I don't know just seeing you and her at the point where you were just laughing so much <laughs> it was just clear through pictures was so incredible and I'm I'm glad that y'all really had a a good time through it we like really like so so earnestly did it's like crazy like all the nurses like loved her and like loved when i was there because it like she could be mean she had a mean streak and it's like i definitely inherited that but like Mm -hmm. like when i was there it was like always jovial and like so funny and so goofy and like i don't know yeah Yeah. there's a ton of vids and pics though so (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) no no um so i mean with as far as like music goes and like doing it um did museum mouth we didn't break up Uh (laughs) there's like i famously like the past 2020 there's like this whole thing where it's like why the fuck would you break up your band in 2020 
Like, mm-hmm. why? Their bands aren't even a thing in 2020. Like, why would you choose to break up this year? <laughs> yeah. I, like, had a funny conversation with Stevie from Adult Mom about that. It's like, don't break up your band in 2020. There's no, like, everything is stacked against you. Like, just zoom out a little bit. Like, What's there's Stevie no talking about breaking up? Oh, no, right, not no. their project. Oh, but, like, okay. It's like, we yeah. goss. We goss. Uh-huh. You see something on the Twitter timeline <laughs> that truly makes you dissociate, and you gotta goss about it. So... Yeah, so that was just like, no, Museum Mouth isn't broken up, but it's just like, we're all, the three of us that are like in the band now, we're just at such crazy different junctions in our lives that it's like, it's hard to schedule to begin with, but it's also kind of like hard to like level your expectations like mm-hmm. and kind of meet each other all in like a way that feels like productive. It's like the minute my mom ended up in the hospital, I was like having conversations with my bandmates where I like, They were like, you know, like famously, this is not always the easiest dynamic. Like, you know, you butt heads, creative differences. You argue for what you think a song should be like, or you're just essentially arguing for real estate for your ideas in the project. And it's like being a band leader, like was always trying to like do that and like be democratic about it. But it's like the minute shit hit the fan in 2018, I was like, guys, I need this to be easy. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like if we're going to keep doing this, like it needs to be like, fun and like obviously there is like strife involved with any creative project but it's like that needs to be like at a minimum and just like i'm sorry but like that's just like how it needs to be how it's gonna have to be and i think we had made like a lot of headway and like kind of getting the three of us like all in that headspace and like making it work Mm -hmm. but like you know then covid happens and now my mom dies and i'm just kind of like you know, like eventually we will return to this project, but also it just felt like the wind kept getting knocked out of our sails at like every turn. Like if it wasn't like personal strife, it's like, you know, we had just agreed to release our next record on tiny engines. And like, that was like such a fun, like boost to morale to be like, okay, we're going to get home from tour. We're going to record this record. And it's going to come out on the label I work for. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to literally get to put my own record in mail order. Like how iconic is that? Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, by the end, of, we were literally on tour when we announced, and uh-huh. by the end of the tour, the label didn't exist. And I'm just like, Jesus. easy come, easy go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We don't have to talk about <laughs> any of that. I think you just. Ha- I think we just have to do this again sometime oh. because it's like <laughs> I was texting my boyfriend about this interview and just kind of like I wonder what we're even going to talk about because like my lived experience in music is so vast. <laughs> And it's such a roller coaster, and it's been happening for so long that I'm just like, oh god. Yeah, that's a good point because we have <laughs> we have like run the gamut. Also, your you met your boyfriend on Gay Mario Kart. <laughs> yes. What is that? That's amazing. Like literally, the first week of lockdown, a mutual friend of ours, like who. Um, I guess he just like went through his Instagram feed or his like phone of like all the gays he knew had switch online and was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to put us all in a chat. We're going to like, we're going to like race Mario Kart because we, we literally had nothing else to do. And we did it once. We did it twice. We started doing it three days a week. It's still happening now. Uh-huh. It's crazy. <laughs> Fuck, it's so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oliver appropriate is a say anything record. It You're is. in the band, say anything. Oh my god, it's so crazy. Dude, yes. That record also, I listened to right after listening to as a real boy. My expectations were not low, but it's like, okay, well. How could you ever we... top that? Yeah. That's a 
fucking good record. I love the shit that he's talking about on there. I love Max so much. And Max is someone who's like been outspoken and has existed in music for so long that I definitely get that he can be a polarizing figure. But like, and I was definitely nervous about that when he hit me up to be like, hey, I'm like, I'm working on this narrative idea for like a concept album. Like, I want you to be involved. Like, you inspire me sonically, like songwriting wise. Like, he's like truly the the person who said the nicest stuff to me about music, about my music is Max. Mm -hmm. So like the minute he was like, are you interested? I'm like, yeah, excuse me. I'm interested, but like, I want to hear some songs. So the minute he started sending me demos, I was like, oh my fucking God. Yeah. Like now I can't let this opportunity slip past me because like these songs are so good. For real. Because it like it, I love that album. I'm so, I'm, I feel honored and lucky that I like got to be a part of it. And like the fact that it ended up being like the last say anything record, I was like, <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> um, and you released the first gay meat single, one word, AK. Mm-hmm. That's one word answer king. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the song title was too long as one word answer king. I was like, I gotta shorten those. You're in your singles era now. I'm in my singles That's era, yeah. Such a good uh a good subheading for this project. <laughs> I like I like these songs a lot too. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing that. Most definitely. Like with the band kind of having to take like a backseat to life in the past couple of years, it's like I kind of had to like really explore like what I liked about making music and like releasing music and recording music and like trying to like learn how to just do that totally, totally by yourself. Like, you know, mm-hmm. with like in like in a project where there's no expectations, I was like, I like I needed to find out how to do that. So I did it and I'm like, I couldn't be happier and like more excited doing it. It's like, I never like sat down to be like, okay, I'm going to like write like a song today it was like i literally woke up and was inspired and was like i want to be recording music so i like sat down demoed an idea by the end of the day the song was done sent it off to get mastered and then put it up on spotify you know whatever eight weeks later yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun um it was a pleasure to finally have you on after so so long <laughs> yes uh, it's my pleasure to be doing this i'm like I feel lucky. Um, thank you. For real. Of course, freak. Of course. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mother, check out Carl's music online. Gaymeat.bandcamp.com. Museummouth.bandcamp.com. BetterYetPod.com. BetterYetPodcast.bandcamp.com. Pleasure show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BetterYetPodcast. We will see you next week. Thank you, friends. <laughs> <laughs>